This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Monday afternoon, Juneteenth, June 19th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are closed today for Juneteenth. They will reopen tomorrow. Younger consumers are increasingly being targeted for identity theft through apartment rental and job listings. We'll cover that in our next thing. But right now, our next guest believes there's a two and three chance that stocks will be higher in December than they are right now. Let's find out why from Mark Holbert investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. And uh, if if you said that maybe in January or the end of last year, uh, that definitely would be the contrarian take. But it sounds like uh, the rest of the conventional wisdom might be lining up behind you. Well, that's right. But that's just happenstance. It turns out that I, if you were to have interviewed me uh, late June and any other year previously. In fact, we may have even had such an interview in prior years. I would have given the same odds of uh, a rising second half of the year. And that's because the odds of the market rising in any given six-month period are the same regardless of what's come immediately before. The way to think about it is uh, if you were to flip a coin and you have, say, three or four heads in a row, would you think that there's a greater or lesser odds of getting heads on the next row? Uh, next throw. Most of us think that there is an increase or decrease in odds because of what's come before when you're flipping a coin. And that's what's known as the gambler's fallacy. Of course, we know with a coin flip, there's absolutely no uh, memory of the coin from one flip to the next. And the stock market, believe it or not, is very much similar to that. And that is uh, that. That's like looking, uh, going back throughout history. I mean, going back to uh, 1896. Well, that's right. What I did in a column on the subject is I, I looked at the odds of the market being higher from July 1 through the end of the year, regardless of any of a number of variables that people have suggested to me. So whether you're looking at the third year of the presidential term, whether the market's up or down, whether the stock market is overvalued or undervalued, any of a number of indicators. I think I looked at a whole host of them, clearly a, almost a dozen of them. And it turns out the odds of the market being higher or lower for the six, last six months of the year were almost identical regardless of where those indicators stood for the first half of the year. So what does that mean as far as uh, market predictions are concerned or even trying to figure out uh, the various fluctuations uh, hour by hour or day by day? I mean, should I, uh, uh, on the noon business hour going forward all the way until January 1st of 24, should I just uh, say, hey, look, look at the chart, buddy. It's going to be okay. Well, it's never 
quite that easy, but I think that's actually onto something. It turns out that I think that, that for most of us, and this includes probably most of the listeners to this show, the, the, the best advice is simply to uh, buy an index fund and hold for the long term. If you want to have some play money and use it to speculate on this or that indicator or this or that hunch about what's coming down the pike, be, be my guest. But do it with a small enough amount of money such that it's not going to endanger your retirement if you end up being wrong. It's remarkable, though, just looking at the the you know, center of gravity or just the consistency of the market over time in the second half of the year. Because you go back to 1896, we're talking about two world wars. We're talking about periods of extremely high inflation. We're talking about periods of uh, zero interest rates. We're talking about pandemics. And yet the law of gravity, it seems, is pretty constant. Well, that's right. And in fact, I mean, from a theoretical point of view, this is something to celebrate because it turns out that it's a, a function of what uh, theoreticians refer to as market efficiency, which is that the market takes into account at any given point all available information that we all know collectively up to that point. And so if we already knew something about what was going to happen in the second half of the year, we would go ahead and act on it now. We wouldn't wait until July 1 or November 1 or whatever to go ahead and act on that advice. And so the market adjusts immediately for all information, leaving the future to be more or less uh, not exactly a coin flip because it's not better than a coin flip, but a two out of three odds of being up regardless of what's happened up to that point. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, watching out for scams tied to jobs and apartment rentals. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Identity thieves have their eye on younger consumers through everyday actions like looking for an apartment or a job. Let's learn more from Jerry Irvine, CIO, Prescient Solutions, and member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Jerry, thank you for joining us today. And I remember that summer after I graduated from college and got my first uh, off off off-campus apartment uh, in Milwaukee, uh, miles away from uh, Marquette University. And when you had to uh, apply for a prospective apartment, you had to provide a social security number uh, to the property management company because they needed to run a credit check on you. But uh, that's also uh, uh, an inviting opportunity for identity thieves. So uh, tell us a little more about these uh, scams that could prey on people who are graduating from college. Absolutely. What they're what they're doing in many cases are, is even buying lists from universities, uh, much like credit card companies do, to find you know graduating seniors so that they can send them uh, you know emails. And email is the number one way that hackers get uh, people's information. So they they attract them to try to get them to respond, and then when you respond, they they have you fill in a. Uh, credit app, which, you know, they steal the the looks of the page from valid apartment companies, from valid uh, places, even like apartments.com. And, and they'll have you enter all your information. And, and in many cases, they're asking you for a 50 to $100 uh, payment to do your credit check. Uh, so it, there's there's all kinds of scams going out like this. And, and if they ask you for money to do something that is free or of, of no cost to you traditionally, uh, that should be more than just a red flag. It should be a screaming red siren. 
Exactly. And, and, and some of these people are, are, in addition to asking for money, they're not just asking for a credit card. They may be asking for Bitcoin. And that should be the real red flag, right? As soon as, as, soon as somebody wants Bitcoin or, or some kind of uh, you know, gift card or something for payments, you know that there, there's problems. And, and again, to ask for a credit app before you even look at an apartment or a home to, to rent, uh, that's just not done in the industry. You know, you, you go out, you find the places that you want to go to, then they'll have you fill out a, a form on their website or on paper. So if they're asking you to do this stuff before you even get a chance to see the apartment or, or the property, uh, that's a, a big red flag. And when they ask for money, you just you run run out the door. Don't do it. <laughs> and then and then on on the job side of things, I mean, there are some job listings that uh, may not be what they say they are. Um, it's 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 more of a a sales job or a boiler room operation. But are there other uh, type of job listings that can be an identity theft scam? Absolutely. Even on Facebook or other social media sites. Uh, you know, they're they're going out there and saying, hey, you know, there are jobs out here and, you know, put in put in your application and not apply. And anytime anybody asks you uh, to to put in a Social Security number or some personally identifiable information, even a credit card or, or something like that for a job interview before you even had the interview. It's not a good idea. You know, stay away from that. Uh, you go to your job sites like Indeed or, you know, the, the different uh, sites that are out there. They don't have you put in your Social Security number. You don't pay uh, for anything. And so you're going out, you're talking to people, you're having interviews. Uh, you fill out your forms once you get employed. That's when they want your Social Security number. But just for an interview, you never have to get that. And then very quickly, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, spoofing emails, I mean, everybody gets them from what looks like a bank or a credit card company, and then they have an email address attached to it that does not look anything like the company it's claiming to be from. But are, are they getting a little more sophisticated in that those email addresses now look legit? It's not just a, a string of numbers and letters. Absolutely. And and the hackers now are using AI to make these things look even more realistic. Um, you can make an, an email address look just like, you know, www.thecompany.com. You know, um, it's just, it will be a hyperlink. So it'll be like a different color. And then when you click on it, uh, it would actually go to the, the scammer's website. If you send an email, it will actually go to the scammer's email address. So they, they can make it look exactly like a real uh, email address, like the real company. But when you go in and, and you're getting this stuff, my mom always told me if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You're right. She was right, too. Jerry Irvine, CIO, Prescient Solutions, member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, raising the retirement age for airline pilots. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Pilots who work for United and American Airlines say a proposal to raise their retirement age from 65 to 67 years old will put passengers at risk. We're joined by Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University. Thanks for joining us today, Joe. And it sounds like uh, this is one more effort to address the uh, pilot shortage that has uh, bedeviled the entire airline industry. Oh, it sure is. 
is. And post-pandemic, some pilots opted not to come back after being furloughed. And it's really the regional airlines, those uh, operating uh, those regional jets that have become so common that are really facing a pilot shortage, and they see their rating retirement age, you know, to ease that supply a bit. So they're pushing hard, but they do have some opposition. And of course, uh, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, 67 years old is not as old as it used to be. I mean, 67 years old used to be, you know, almost the end of your life. But now uh, you can easily live until your 90s. And so if you if you feel like flying for a couple of more years, uh, why not stay in the cockpit? Yeah, that's exactly the argument putting forth. You know, in 2007, they raised the retirement age for 60 uh, to 65. It gets to your point about how... 65 is sort of the new 50 in many people's minds. And some countries have taken action uh, to raise the uh, rate. Uh, but, you know, like Japan is 68, but they limit those pilots to domestic flying after 65. So one complication this creates is that other countries haven't yet allowed it. So when pilots bid for trips, uh, you would have to put restrictions on what some pilots can bid for and not others. And that really affects the whole protocol in which unions have uh, negotiated for uh, who gets first choice. How have airlines uh, gone about addressing the pilot shortage? Because it's not just simply uh, pilots who were furloughed at the beginning of the pandemic uh, deciding to do something else with their lives. Uh, we've also talked about how the competition for pilots is uh, a lot fiercer than it was before because you now have uh, a number of cargo airlines that are promising uh, consistent schedules. And as one uh, uh, commercial to uh, cargo pilot once told me, boxes don't blank. And you can fill in the blank and uh, that's what makes uh, being a cargo pilot that's that much more attractive compared to flying passengers and we all know the stories about bad behavior in the skies oh exactly right and cargo airlines are booming with uh, you know online shipments overnight shipments we see fedex ups amazon snapping up a lot of those pilots and uh and here, you know, a lot of airlines feel pressure to sort of invest in that pipeline of pilots since the military isn't as good of a source as, as it once was. So United, for example, has invested in a flight school trying to get more un- underrepresented minority candidates in the mix. Uh, but this whole process of raising retirement age we see is unsettling to labor unions who point there has been a lot of research about uh, the safety of pilots over 65. Uh, of course, it has a lot of uh, implications for how quickly pilots can move up the ladder if those older pilots stay around a while, and you may not get to that 777 captain seat as quick if those older guys don't uh, retire. So there, you know, we're seeing uh, this play out in Washington in a really uh, pretty heated way with Congress lumping uh, the retirement age into a larger aviation bill which has a lot of other goodies as well. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. If, if you look at the Glassdoor listings for uh, United or American, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the 777 captain. Uh, that's one of the highest uh, salaries at the airline outside of the corner office is you can make two hundred or even $300,000 as a senior captain uh, flying international routes. But in order to get there, you have to do those, uh, those long days flying regional jets and that washes a lot of pilots out. Is that still the case? Oh, still the case, certainly. And we saw where United merged with Continental. I mean, they spent years just trying to negotiate how they're going to uh, consolidate these two different systems of how you bid for new seats, uh, how training happens. And that was finally worked out. But this, uh, in effect, 
creates a little tornado in that system because suddenly uh, those older guys may hang around. And you can't bid. They may not be able to bid for certain routes because of all these international rules. So, boy, this is uh, going to create some, some real complexity. But there's momentum behind this in Congress. Think your point about, you know, 65, we don't see that as an age where your mental capacity, physical capacities have fallen. Uh, the airlines, especially the smaller ones, are really uh, wanting to see this happen. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services at DePaul University, thanks for joining us today. Still ahead, a pair of investment ideas from our Monday Stock Picker. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Rachel Pearson. Investigators try to piece together what prompted a mass shooting in Willowbrook that left at least 23 people shot and one person dead. The Secretary of State meets face to face with China's president. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of ideas from a portfolio pro. Younger is better when it comes to learning about investing. WBBM Business. The markets are closed for Juneteenth. They'll reopen tomorrow. AccuWeather says mix of clouds and hazy sunshine, warm, a high of 86 inland, low to mid-70s along the lakefront, 84 degrees right now at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a public party in the southwest suburbs came to a devastating end early yesterday when gunfire erupted. The details from WBBM's Rachel Pearson. This is still a very active investigation. Police are still trying to piece together what led up to a deadly shooting during a Juneteenth celebration at a Willowbrook parking lot. Deputy Chief Eric Swanson with the DuPage County Sheriff's Office. Deputies were in the area of Honeysuckle Rose Lane and Route 83 and heard numerous gunshots fired and responded to an area where a large gathering of people was happening. Erica Truman's teenage daughter was among the crowd. Just heard a lot of gunshots. They ran, they fell, and then they were literally walked all over. At least 23 people were shot. One person was killed. In a statement, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson offered his condolences to the victim's loved ones and families. No arrests have been made. That's the latest from Willowbrook. And the DuPage County coroner has identified the man killed as 31-year-old Reginald Meadows of Willowbrook. America's top diplomat has wrapped up a visit to China. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken's closely watched trip to Beijing has concluded with incremental progress made on issues like fentanyl and educational exchanges, but direct military-to-military communications between the countries are still frozen. Speaking to reporters in Beijing, the secretary said many of his conversations, including one with President Xi Jinping, were candid and constructive, but, quote, we have a lot more work to do. He said more senior American officials would soon visit China and that Chinese officials would come to the U.S. No word yet on a presidential-level meeting, although President Xi is expected to attend a conference in San Francisco in the fall. Olivia Gazis, CBS News, Washington. It's 12.36. The Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are closed today for the Juneteenth holiday. And joining us with a preview of the busy week ahead is Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Macro Tides.com based in San Diego. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell will uh, testify before Congress this week. And is he going to basically say the same thing to lawmakers that he said during his uh, post uh, policy statement news conference last week? Can't imagine him saying anything other than that, Rob. Uh, basically, it's been the same message really for months and months that the Fed is serious about getting inflation down to 2% because high inflation uh, is really toughest on those at the lower level of income. So I believe he's going to just reiterate what he's been saying for months when he testifies. What's interesting is that uh, lawmakers may listen to him this week, but uh, the markets are not. They seem to believe, and this has been the case for a long time now, that uh, they don't necessarily believe that the Fed will follow all the way through on its rhetoric when it comes to uh, raising interest rates and maybe even cutting them. You raise a great point, uh, Rob. It's interesting. I heard late last week a lot of people saying, well, Uh, They don't believe because the Fed's lost credibility. And my question is, really, whose credibility has been lost? Five, six weeks ago, Wall Street was expecting the Federal Reserve to cut the funds rate uh, beginning in August, then September. And now, of course, we see that they don't believe the Fed's going to cut rates, but they're doubting that it's going to continue to raising rates. So to me, the real credibility loss is by those who believe markets discount the futures. The, the markets were dead wrong five, six weeks ago in what it thought the Fed would do. Uh, and now, you know, they've kind of reverted to the same old, same old that, oh, the Fed's lost credibility. So given the breadth of the dots, in other words, 12 out of 18 wanted two rate hikes, uh, Rob, that suggests that support for additional rate hikes is broad within the FOMC. And maybe it's just a cliche now to say that the Fed has reached a a, a critical juncture in its decision making. I mean, it's a, it, it's like going on a ride and following the GPS, and every intersection is important. But they are at an area, I believe, where if whatever decision they make next uh, could not only be the wrong one, but could also be uh, catastrophically wrong, where if you continue to hike, uh, the the potential for a a deep recession uh, grows larger and larger. But maybe if you hold, sit back and see what's going on, uh, the potential for inflation to take root and become uh, stickier than it already is, uh, there's a real risk there. It is a tough situation, and that's why, and I think uh, Powell expressed this well, that slowing the pace of rate hikes and timing of rate hikes, instead of moving every single meeting, now we're going to skip a meeting or so, I I think addresses the concerns that you raised, Rob. The reality is as inflation declines in coming months, and it will continue to decline, the real funds rate will rise. 
which means monetary policy, even if the Fed doesn't raise rates, will become slightly more restrictive. Plus, the Fed is shrinking its balance sheet. So, again, we're at a place in time, and I think Powell and the Fed recognizes that it's appropriate to kind of slow the pace that buys more time to assess what's really happening with the economy. And I think that's what he explained last week and what he'll explain again this week with Congress. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com, based in San Diego. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, helping kids learn the basics of investing. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's never too soon to get your kids involved in their financial future. Let's discuss helping them get started with Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions, based in Forest Park, and author of the book, The Prescription for a healthy retirement. Chris, thank you for joining us today. And I think the first thing when it comes to uh, getting kids involved in money and investing is that they will surprise you with their level of curiosity and how much they know. You're right. And you also wonder, did you, are you raising a saver, a spender, or hopefully even a wealth creator, right? Big difference. And 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 I, I'm seeing in my own experience too because I I've I've listened to this radio station for a very long time and I remember being eight or nine years old and listening to the business reports with Len Walter and being the only third grader who knew what the Nikkei average index was. But and and my daughter's the same way. I mean, we'll drive to school and uh, when I drop her off in the morning and she'll listen to the radio station. She'll ask questions about what's the stock market, what's the Dow Jones Industrial Average, what's inflation, and she's nine. So. You know, don't put it past an eight or a nine-year-old to, to, to not be curious about these things because they are. You're absolutely right. And even younger than that, it's good to get them in motion about giving, saving, and spending, right? Whenever they get any money, let's make sure they set aside some money for giving, set aside money to save, and then, you know, have a balance for spending. But you're right. Once they get old enough to really begin to understand, remember what Albert Einstein said? He said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> well, wait, 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 it gets better. He said, he who understands it earns it. He who doesn't understand it pays it. And that's a profound piece of wisdom we really need to get into our kids, whether they're five or 15 or in, and anything in between. There's something that I see that many even adults don't understand that I would love kids to grasp early on. And that's not interrupting that eighth wonder of the world compound interest. Because you could save for a while, but if you keep going in there and interrupting the compounding, it can be very expensive long term. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah, it's just like uh, uh, if if you're if you're cooking something on the grill, or, or I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of smokers, and uh, if you open the grill up uh, five or six times just to take a look at it, it's going to lose heat. <laughs> exactly, that's a perfect analogy. The other thing I think that's important is once your kids do start venturing into investing, once they understand not interrupting compounding. Help them to understand how much they're willing to lose. Because if you're going into the investment arena, there's always potential for loss, right? Exactly, which is why we always say, you know, just get just just put your money in the index fund. Well, yeah, it's, it's something that you can't afford to lose because you can even lose money in an index fund, right? 
One of my favorite things to do with kiddos is to just have them do research on the company, like be focused on a stock first, because that's where you can get your best education. So maybe they have a favorite company and they like what the company's doing. They like what they stand for, the products or services that they're making teaching them how to look at the company's balance sheet, right? Because you don't want to invest in a falling knife. You want to invest in a company that's going to be there for the long haul, or at least for the season that it's going to be beneficial, right? Maybe they believe it's a stock that's going to be, or a company that's going to be in a growth market if it's a growth play. Or maybe if they're more interested in something that's value-oriented that would create some dividends, you know, have them understand that balance sheet first before they just go throw their money at it. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park, author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, a pair of stock picks from a money pro. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out today is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter, based in Hammond, author of the book Winning with the Dow's Losers. Chuck, thank you for joining us once again today, and you have uh, two selections today, and one uh, based uh, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, the first uh, pick is uh, Parker Hannafin. The symbol is PH. The stock trades for $369 a share. Parker Hannafin is is one of these sorts of companies I call kind of a growth cyclical. So they're sensitive to the economy, but they they have kind of a nice growth bent to them. The company does motion and control technologies in both the industrial and aerospace markets, aerospace markets being a very important market and and one that's doing well for them. Uh, I expect the stock to have a a nice jump in earnings and sales this year and next. Uh, The company consistently beats the earnings estimates, they've beaten them in the last four quarters. And it's one of the few companies out there right now where you're seeing earnings estimates trending higher. Uh, you get a bit of a dividend yield. It's 1.6%. And overall, again, if if you kind of buy the, the soft landing narrative for the economy and where things aren't going to go into a recession, these, these growth cyclicals should hold up and do quite well. So that's Parker Hannafin, PH $369 a share. And the next one, uh, basically, the next one, uh, there's a good chance you may have their card in your pocket. That's right. That's United Health Group. The symbol is UNH. The stock trades for $458 a share. Uh, the reason I selected United Health right now is, is precisely because it's been kind of a laggard. The stock's down about 18% from its 52 week high. And there have been some concerns that you're seeing higher utilization this year, which, uh, you know, can impact kind of the, the margins at, at insurance companies like United Health. Uh, I, history shows uh, this is a, you know, a blue chip company that anytime you can buy this stock at a significant discount from its previous high, which is the case now, that it makes sense to do it. The stock trades at 18 times its 2023 earnings estimate, 16 times its 2024. So I think the value is right. Plus, you get a dividend yield of about 1.5%. So I think it's it's value opportunity time for United Health. UNH is the symbol, $458 a share, and our clients and our, and our company own both of these stocks. And then while I have you here, a lot of questions about whether or not the markets have uh, taken that turn into uh, bull market territory. What's the Dow theory saying? 
We're not there yet from a Dow theory perspective. We're close, we're, we're, and you know we're, we're threatening those levels. We still need a move in the Dow Jones Industrial Average above about 34,500, 34,600 in that area, and in the Dow Jones Transportation Average, we still need a, a close above that. $15,600 or 600 level, which we saw early February. So close, but we're not there quite yet. And then what do you make just of the uh, remarkable run-up in the uh, in, in the market so far this year? I mean, we all know it's not entirely balanced, but uh, approaching June 30th, I think a lot of people would have been surprised to, 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 to hear that we're talking about this if you look back you know, going from the perspective of January 1st. It has, and it's been surprising. I mean, last year was a, was a lousy year, so you know there was some possibility to get a snapback. We've had a pretty good snapback, but we're still not out of that that kind of extended trading range. And and you know the market's getting kind of at a pivotal point here. Whether is it going to really break through to the upside out of that trading range, or are we just going to kind of regress back into the, the lower end? So you know we'll have a pretty good feed on that here, probably in the next four to six weeks, we are going to be entering second quarter earnings season here um, fairly shortly. And, uh, you know, that's always a, a time to kind of take take the pulse of the market at that point. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. Thanks for joining us today. Business News is sponsored by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are closed today. They will reopen tomorrow. It's- we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.